Hey guys, welcome back to The Transfer. I'm Jared. I'm Pastor Beck. And today we are going to tackle Mark, just after the start of Mark 3, Mark 7, all the way till Mark 4 to verse 34. So let's just head straight into it. Yeah, hey Jazz, why don't you go to where we ended off Mm -hmm. and kind of take us through to where we're going. Okay, cool. So the last kind of story that we see in um, Mark 3 is talking about a man with a withered hand. I'll just read that little bit. Uh, And he entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they went, but they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. As I was reading that kind of stuck out to me this week, uh, grieved at their hardness of heart, kind of made me think, geez, am, am I grieving God with any hardness that is in my heart? Anyway, that's just something Yeah, that... and the interesting thing is from Mark 2, 1, all the way to Mark 3, 6, there are five different points of conflict that Jesus is addressing. So mm. he's addressing forgiveness. He ju- he's addressing just some controversy about eating with sinners. He's addressing fasting. He's addressing the Sabbath. And then again, he'll mention the Sabbath and the decision to kill Jesus. So... Um, Yeah, so then we go into that story of the withered hand, Mm -hmm. and you want to keep going? Yeah, so uh, grieved at their hardness of heart, and he said to them, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out immediately, held counsel with the Herodians against him about how to destroy him. Uh, Then we're just going to, we really, uh, Pastor Beck and I really want to focus in on one part. We're going to spend a lot of time in one, one part. Uh, in this section that we have to read today. So I'm just going to quick zoom through the rest, if that's okay with you, Pastor Yeah, go for it. So then it talks about a great crowd uh, following Jesus. And again, he strictly orders them not to make him known, but it seems like the the secret's out, like Jesus is telling the disciples to get boats ready so they can get out of the way. Yeah, and a little point here in verse 11, um, the unclean spirits will fall down and cry, you are the son of God. Yeah. So remember, Mark's whole, you know, he wants to reveal Jesus as the son of God. And here we see that even the enemy yeah. acknowledges the sonship yeah. of Jesus. 100%. And what actually kind of, as I was thinking about it, because as we, going back all the way to when we started this, it was written to the people in Rome. Yeah. And I imagine, I don't have a whole, it's just imagining in my head, but Rome was... I imagine all about having the power and all about being the most powerful. And yep. then you've got the most powerful person in the world going, nah, don't, don't tell anyone. That's just something interesting, yeah, it's that, interesting. that stuck out to me. Uh, Jesus having a whole group of people with him, uh, the 12 apostles. Uh, sorry, this is the part called the 12 apostles in your Bible. Jesus had a whole bunch of people with him and he whittled it down to 12. Uh, then it talks about a verse that actually scared me as a kid. I remember... Uh, It's the, Jesus talks about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. I'd love to talk about that one day, but today is not that day. I remember that verse (laughs) always used to scare me as a child. I would be like, oh, mum, dad, have I blasphemed against the Holy Spirit? I'm ever going to be forgiven. Like, let me just add one little thought in there. If you're worried about blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, then I think you're fine. Yeah. Um, That thought of you wanting to make sure that your heart is right before the Lord um, you're not going to be the one that's going to be blaspheming. Mm. Um, it's, it's yeah, if you go ahead and read, it says, Truly I say to you, verse uh, 20, 28, yeah. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven for cho- the children 
of man and whatever blasphemes they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying he has an unclean spirit. So there's that sense of there's a deliberate decision to oppose. There's a deliberate decision to come against uh, what God is doing. Yeah, that's uh, not us. No, if you're listening to this and with a sincere heart, it's it's not you. It's not you. Uh, so Jesus' mother and brothers, Jesus says, who my mothers and brothers are the ones that follow me and uh, do the will of God. Now we come to the parable of the sower. Do you want me just to jump in and read this? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. And again, he began to teach by the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into the boat and sat in it on the sea and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. Okay, stop right there. Any idea what a parable is? Um, well, being a little bit familiar with the Bible, uh, a parable just always seemed like a story that that told a bigger point or a story that made a bigger point. Yeah, think about Jesus was rabbi. He was a rabbi and a rabbi is, we translate that as a teacher. Mm. Okay, so think of the great teachers you have had in your life, probably... Mm. They didn't just cut their material, you know, very straight laced yeah. and it's boring. What did they do? They gave you personal examples. They laced it with story. Yeah. Uh, you look at films. You look at, you know, even TED Talks and YouTube videos or anything, uh, you know, modern. The use of story and narrative to communicate a topic is not new. Yeah. Jesus and many different rabbis during that time were using story. And so here we see Mark gives us an example. Jesus taught many parables. Mark doesn't record them all. Some of the other gospel writers will include um, more parables. But Mark sees fit that he would include this one. Hmm. I'll continue. Uh, And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. What does that mean? A sower went out to sow. Yeah, so it's an agricultural society. He's talking to a bunch of people that, you know, they're either farmers or they're getting their sustenance from the land or maybe they are carpenters or, you know, have a trade, but they would get their produce from people who work the land. So there was no Woolworths or Coles? There was not. There was no corner store. So when they say a sower goes out to sow, that gives a picture of the person who has seed Mm. going out and hoping that they're going to get a harvest. Mm. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay. Let's throw out a thought here that Jesus will then have to go and uh, if you look at the very next heading in verse 10, it says the purpose of the parable. Mm. So they're listening to Jesus going... And you're telling me this because... We came to you because we think you're the son of God and you're teaching us about very simple farming practices. Right. So listen to what he says. He unpacks it for them. He said, And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. 
But for those outside, everything is in parables, so okay, that can they I may. Stop you there, one yeah. I actually have never noticed this. To those around him with the twelve, so it wasn't just him and the twelve, but it was those around him with the twelve. Yeah, I just never thought of like you always think of Jesus in the twelve, but it was Jesus and the twelve and those who actually had managed mm-hmm. to still hang out. Sorry, yeah, sorry go, to interrupt. No, that's okay. Go to verse thirteen. It says, and he said to them, "Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables?" And here we go. He's going to explain it for us. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So here's the very first Mm. um, idea. Remember, he he threw the seed and it fell on the path. Mm. And the birds came and devoured it straight away. So the equivalent is if soil, it's really, really tough. The seed won't go in. And the birds can come and get it really easily. And Jesus is saying, that's just like Satan. If our lives are not plowed up, if we don't, you know, dig it out and get it ready for... I've got this rose that I got given this week. I'm not a very good gardener. So my dad keeps calling me every day going, what have you done with this rose? I'm like, it's outside. I'm going to plant it. Um, I'm going to put it near sun. But the whole point is that um, to prepare, you know, this tree to be to grow i will need to plow the ground i will need to dig up the ground so if i just stick it on the ground Mm. like it's not growing yeah and so here jesus is saying when the word is thrown easily the enemy can come because it's not you know hasn't gone deep yeah and then it says um satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them verse 16 and these are the ones sown on rocky ground the ones who when they hear the word, they receive it. So these are people, you know, picture us. We sit in church, we mm. hear a really good sermon, or you're in youth, and you hear someone talking like, yeah, that's great. It says you receive it with joy, but then it says they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when the hard times come, when tribulation or persecution arises in account of the word, immediately they fall away. Mm. Let's put it in our everyday. COVID comes along and... We forget every sermon we've ever heard and we haven't even looked at our Bibles. You know, that kind of idea or our parents get divorced or someone we love dies or, you know, someone in our family gets sick or we have a fight with our parents or they have issues. Um, Immediately those trials and things we face, Mm. it's almost like the word didn't go deep enough because those things just wash stuff away. One thing that I can think of is someone coming to a youth service and then having this great kind of church experience, loving God, and then going to their school where none of their friends believe in God. Yeah, that's a great example. Make fun of them for it and just kind of being like, oh, yeah, I suppose I went there. I don't really care about going to church. I just kind of go because other people go. That's kind of, that's the example that came Mm -hmm. to my mind. Yeah. And it says, verse 18, and others are the ones sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word. But the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So these are the people that, honestly, they hear it, Mm. it goes deep, but it can't come out of them because literally at some point, I think of this rose that I have, literally, it's like somewhere along the stem, there's a blockage that health cannot reach the fruit, and it's not fruitful. And then he ends it by saying... Um, verse 20, but those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Actually, this is one of my favorite parts of this verse, 30 fold, 60 fold, 100 fold. 
we get um, this idea that we're not all going to bear the same. Mm. Uh, we will all bear at different rates, maybe even at different seasons, it will look differently. So I think it's really interesting, the thought that, and I guess I want to leave people as we finish today with this question, am I good soil? Mm. Like when I listen to the word of God, whether it's in church or whether it's, you know, in youth or whether it's just in my everyday Bible reading, I want to make sure that my heart is good soil. That's Mm. why the um, Proverbs would say, guard your heart for out of it is the wellspring of life. That this idea that we need to guard our hearts so that we are good soil. So we may even just leave it there so that as people go about their day today, why don't you do the work that you need to do? Uh, for me, how do I plow up my heart to make sure the word goes deep? Um, any unforgiveness, any sin, yeah. like just that stuff that needs getting out, um, There's you just go to God with it. Wow. And yeah. One thing that I think for me is um, not the one, deceived by riches and things of this world. Where am I looking to for my identity? Where am I looking to for my sense that I'm okay? Am I looking to the friends I have? Am I looking to my report card? Am I looking to um, how I play sport or how I play my instrument? Or am I looking to God and saying, God made me, God loves me as a plan and purpose for me, and that makes me okay? Yeah. The deeper the seed goes, the more chance it's going to have hmm. to bear fruit because it won't be snatched as easily. You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff. So I think even just allowing the word of God to really yeah. do its work in us so that uh, it can work through us. Okay. All right. We'll leave it there. Thank you, Pastor Beck. Thanks. Thanks.